Hi everyone, it's Joaki Makren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. In January of 2021, I did a webinar on the topic of how do you create a game studio pitch deck that really resonates with investors. In this webinar, I share a lot that I know about how do you build pitch decks for a game studio and what you need to communicate with that pitch deck. So listen to this recording and you can go to Elite Game Developers and grab the presentation from the episode blog post. But before we go to the episode, here's a few words from our sponsors. Hey, game developer. Are you looking for great new authentic video creatives? Try something totally new with influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific creative content for your games. An Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Get a free video with a purchase of four or more videos. Remember to say that Elite Game Developers sent you to claim your free video. Go to getigc.com to see some examples and get more information. That's getigc.com. Good day, everybody. Uh, I'm going to go through some topics today, which are pretty, pretty important for people who are looking at doing a game studio in their career. Possibly they're already in the midst of trying to raise funding. Uh, there's a lot of different situations you might be in. But I hope this, this content that I'm going to share today is going to be helpful for you. So we're going we're gonna to kick it off with this slideshow. I'm going to share my screen here. And just quick note, so everything will be shared online, the recording, the presentation, you can get everything on elitegamedevelopers.com later on. So I'm gonna share the URLs there inside the presentation actually. All right, sharing this Google Chrome view. Okay, you can see it here. So. It's going to be a workshop format, but what I want to do here is that it's not really going to be per se that you need to do some assignments here and now, uh, because the the recording will be shared uh, with you, so you can come back to it and basically go through the things that I'm talking about here, where you should be, you know, doing some stuff, some homework. So. Don't be stressed about it too much now because you can come back to it later on. But yeah, let's go through through all of this. So the webinar material will be shared at elitegamedevelopers.com slash pitch deck. So you can go already there. You can get this presentation as well, but like you can do it after the video, after the webinar as well. So let's get going. So I've had a lot of experience in building pitch decks. And I, I have to say that in both of my startups, they weren't really perfect. When I look at like what we were trying to offer versus like who we were talking to, there's a lot of mismatch going on there. Eventually I did raise funding, but I think it would have been much more effective time spent on actually making games versus like talk, spending time with the investors because the, the pitch deck wasn't like really communicating what I wanted to communicate. So especially with next games, it was, it was a uh, sort of like a hurdle to go through, but we, we did raise, and I think there was, there was a lot of factors there as well uh, with my first startup. So that was, that was like 15 years ago when I started raising. And back then you couldn't really like talk to anybody who raised funding for gaming. So it was like VC angel investors that like, there was no sort of like, sort of industry like there is today. Uh, so it was super tricky. But yeah, this is like all that I've learned and I'm still learning a lot. So here's what I know right now that seems to be working. But yeah, let's let's look at the agenda for today. So 
What do investors want? This is the first thing I'm going to quickly cover before we go and talk about the successful pitch deck. And then after going through a structure that I see works really well, then I'm going to talk about some tips and tricks for building these pitch decks. And finally, we're going to finish it off with like what not to do. And I actually want to add one more thing to the agenda. So we're going to do a question and answers uh, later on. So please do start writing in your questions uh, questions into Zoom. There's the Q&A section. So just uh, write stuff there as you come up with stuff. And I'll, I'll try to try to go through like the slides so that we have enough time to actually go through like a few dozen questions at the end. First off, what do investors want? I've been writing about this for for like a year and a half already on the blog. But I, I think it's good to, to go through kind of like what I think is kind of like the concise idea behind why investors are investing. Well, first off, the whole whole idea is they want to have companies that they're investing into, which will be worth a lot more than what they invested, like what was the valuation that they invested into the company. So you they want to spend a lot of time with you and to analyze what you're going after to figure out if there will be a chance to actually, you know, getting a 10x return for like if they put a million euros into your startup, can they have an exit day like five, four, four, five, six years later where they get that back like 10x? And if you talk to, uh, to angels, that would be great if they could get a 10x. But if you go to venture capitalists, the, the multiples go higher because they always need to first return their, their full fund before they start seeing uh, sort of like profits from their funds. So it, it, there's a lot of dynamics in place. But like the concise and summarized idea is that you want to show that this is going to start growing because you're putting money into it and like... We're putting like uh, a lot of effort into growing something big here. So I think that message needs to come through in every pitch deck. And then these kind of like smaller questions, which are medium sized, like impact wise questions are like, so how is this business going to grow fast and become huge? So fast, meaning that, you know, if you're doing something, you don't want to be know, raising again next year, because that means that the current investors are diluting as well. So if you usually like if you do end up invest, like raising more cash uh, in a year, like you want to to actually have visibility that there will will be some cash coming back to the investors at a multiple that each of those funding rounds go from like if now the valuation is three million for your company, that next year it's 30 million and then it goes to 300 million. Sort of like these mathematics needs to be in place. That's why the grow fast matters a lot versus like, yeah, you're going to be spending five years. Okay, the game won't go out next year. Maybe it will go out in two years, but we're, we're going to need a lot, hire a lot of people, spend a lot of money. So that's a big risk. So then I want to kind of like think about this. The second question that is very important is, is this, what are the specific risks for this startup and how will those risks be addressed? Um, so that I, I just talked about this, like a game project that would take two to three years before it goes into the player's hands. That's a really risky move. I personally, uh, I'm trying to avoid as much as possible going into projects as an angel investor where where the the sort of like the horizon for having some proof of this game working would be like after you spent one two three four five million into the game uh, so that that kind of like risk profile is something that a lot of investors stay away from because there are uh, other game studios that are going after the shorter kind of time frame where they they do bring in some evidence so these kind of risks uh, you want to think about. And uh, so what will happen to the business after it's funded? So it's like, okay, will will there be new people joining immediately when the, the money is in? Uh, will it sort of like become a really like well-working engine? This company will start growing immediately or are there 
certain areas which will still need a lot of work before it happens yeah uh like talking more about like from my perspective what i want to see as an investor so like first off i'm i'm looking at these kind of return multiples a lot i, I think about like because i built startups in a way that i first in my first company we didn't really think about the multiples enough, like how quickly we could scale to, to have revenues, things like that. And it took a while to figure out that that really matters for you as the founders as well, because the, the investors and the founders will be on, in the same boat after the investment. It's kind of like you want to have that alignment on how do we make this 1 million that we raised or 200,000 or whatnot to actually have a return from the business actually growing. So I'm not necessarily talking about, hey, I want to have a like, you know, like big pay, like payday soon from any investment but I, that I do. But this is just the reality that you want the money that is invested to actually like grow the company versus uh, just take it one step ahead, which doesn't really prove much. So the return comes even like, thinking about the return is like in 12 months are you raising another round if you're not uh it's sort of like for me a signal that this is not going well <laughs> and uh, there's there's a lot there so yeah think about those stuff and then i want to see this preparedness for failure so i've often in my career seen that founders uh, go into a business and they have the most awesome idea uh, and it's kind of like an adventure that nothing can fail but I, I've, I've sort of thought about this more as like this analog of like the polar expeditions a hundred years ago like the British were very bullish about like going on these adventures to discover the North Passage whatnot but they brought on like you know all sorts of uh, equipment that really didn't make sense when you have like 40 degrees zero outside like 40 degrees uh like cold outside uh versus the norwegians who came in with like proper gear they were prepared they knew the risks they saw what would what could happen what could go wrong so in all of these these cases that i'm looking at like all of this preparedness for failure is always one of the best sort of like indications that these founders are thinking uh as as the norwegians were back in the day yeah there's a there's a billion analogies for that but i i sort of like feel i'm a i love history so it's it's one of my favorites uh so going on here like more on the investors what do they what do their work look like so you you also want to be cautious about like how you're how you're approaching them like are you approaching them too early could you wait for another month before you talk to investors? Because there's a lot of people out there who are looking at like pitch decks every day. Uh, like this is an average that I pulled out from somewhere. Like a, a like full-time venture capital investor would look at 1,000 pitch decks a year, like new pitch decks that are coming to them as new new startups that are being founded. And then they take like a, half of those end up in a meeting uh, maybe a 30 minute zoom call and out of those only 10% lead to you know the next calls that will happen as like these follow up meetings and out of those 50 they'll do 10 investments a year so this is one individual i would say like if you have a, a venture capital firm that has a fund in place uh like let's say play ventures which is pretty close to to everybody in the in the startup scene so they have two two partners who are looking at deals and they might do 20 investments maximum a year it's just impossible to for them to go through more than what they're doing so you don't want to end up into the the wrong side of that 500 people who don't get that meeting uh, and then your pitch deck sort of like that's where you want to go from that 500 to that 50. so the better your pitch deck is the the more likely you will get these meetings to happen with your investor candidates. So what kind of people are investing in early stage companies? There's, there's a mix of people. I would say like uh, 
I've seen, at least in Finland, you have a lot of uh, smaller companies that uh, might not have the most experienced founders. And you look at their cap table and it's full of uh, the F people, all of the friends and fools and family uh, who can't really like do like proper analysis on the risks, uh, who can't really think about like what is what is the uh, likelihood of this being a success. So they treat it as as like uh, as this kind of like uh, random coin toss moments uh, where where what whatever could happen. So they're not really doing it professionally. But the problem if you raise from these people is more on the the, the area of that you don't actually get anything else besides uh, their their sort of like capital that they're putting in versus like you could get a lot of help from the second group who are the angel investors with gaming experience. And I've, I've talked about this a lot recently. Uh, I have this gaming uh, syndicate going on with some angels. And I also have the community of uh, people who want to learn angel investing. Uh, and I, I created this podcast in December. If you haven't listened to it, it's a, it's a good one to go and listen to where I talk about how you can actually create your own angels as a founder by reaching out to people who are running game companies, who are CEOs or management team members or very senior in the game industry and ask them to become your angels with a few thousand euro investments. Uh, it's actually something that, you know, those kind of messagings have worked for a lot of people recently. So I suggest you, you try to do that, do that as well. And then you have the VCs who have gaming experience and who don't have gaming experience. So you want to first target like the people who have the gaming experience, try to create that pitch and that idea and that founding team that is very appealing to those people. If you go to these VCs who don't have the gaming experience, it's basically a coin toss for you. They might be interested, they might not. They don't have time to analyze what's going on. They don't know what you're doing. They, don't, they can't assess the risks. Um, so I would say angels and VCs with gaming experience are the top picks for early stage. So then let's go to the successful pitch deck. I want to do it in a way that we're, we're talking about this structure and you can come back to these slides later on when you're constructing your own pitch deck and, and, and watch the recording as well. So first important things before uh, we get going. So you should be the star of the future of this idea. The investor won't be building this business for you ever. That's not what they're doing. They're, they're supporting you. They're helping you. They're giving you the financing. They're possibly even saying that if you, know, you need more money, I'm there. Uh, and then you want to be this kind of venture backable business, which means that you can grow to at least this 10x, 20x in the next few years. If you're going after an idea, let's say somewhere in a space where there isn't much going on, like uh, premium games is, is still a bit tough. I think that that area has its specialized VCs and investors who know how to get like 4x out of an investment into a premium game, but they're very specialized and there are very few uh, of those. Uh, you could still do it, but I wouldn't say it's kind of like a traditional venture backable business if you're doing premium at this stage in 2021. And even though you are selling here, I, I would say like it's always good to be honest and talk about like things in an honest way that you're not sort of like fooling the investors. I've seen pitch decks where uh, the team slide has people who are uh, consultants, for instance, that's, that can really like cause sort of like issues. If those people aren't really joining the team later on, then the investor needs to find out about this, uh, not from the founders, but they talk to the person who is on the pitch deck. So are you, are you joining full-time? And they're saying, no, I'm, I'm just doing this consultant thing. And then they are in the team pitch deck. So it's, there, there are these kind of like moments that you want to be really like honest about, especially because this, they're going to be in the same boat with you. This is a marriage with the investor. They're going to be in the company until the end. So try to make it work from day one by just leveling with them.
All right. And, and a quick notice about like, because a lot of people do look at tech startup pitch decks and start building their gaming pitch decks based on those. So I would say there is no kind of like this problem solution thing going on. There is entertainment need. So you can talk about that. And I'm going to talk about a lot about the audience today. But there is not this kind of like a, a problem and solution that a lot of tech companies are trying to solve. And I would say like great, great retention metrics are the winner in the early stage in gaming that if you can show hey this is our retention metrics for our, our beta test and this is the benchmarks in the industry this is how it's doing then the wise investors who know these numbers they can do the investment decision immediately there like if you don't have the numbers yet then it's more about the team and the idea and the the risks involved but like i would say in tech startups they talk a lot about revenue and you don't necessarily need to go into revenues in gaming at the early stage to raise. So when you don't have metrics, this is where I want to start off with. A lot of folks that I, I get pitch decks uh, from actually probably 90% don't have any numbers when they're pitching. So at that stage, the really good story matters. So first off, I would say like start your pitch deck with this kind of origin story. What, how did you come up with the idea for the company? What got you excited about the opportunity? What made you take the leap of faith to start your own company? So in this format of the workshop, when you go back to these slides and this presentation, I want you to think about writing down what would be your origin story for the company and talk also about the ambition level uh, the commitment that you're taking into the company, all of those matter a lot to, to, to the investors, especially the ones who deal with entrepreneurs every day, who've been entrepreneurs before. Uh, this is really good stuff. Uh, and I, I really love when pitch decks start with this kind of setting. And then you want to already jump into the game because you don't want to sort of leave people waiting what what you're going to be doing like what is the platform what it, when like what is the game you're going to be building uh talk about it there regarding like also like if you don't want to put everything into the slide you should leave a lot of it into like when you have a call a video call with the investor that you then explain a lot of the details so don't put everything inside the slide but just like you know coherently and concisely write what's going on with your game. What is this idea? And then continuing to the part three would be that you want to talk about the audience that you're targeting. Who is the target person for your game and why do they love these kind of games? So you want to expand on that. Why do they consume this kind of content? How many are there? Uh, how do they spend money in games? And like, what else are they playing? That's, that's all really like interesting for, for the investors uh, to hear sort of like your train of thought on why you're picking this idea so that there's more, more to it than just, oh yeah, I, I played Clash Royale, so I'm going to make another Clash Royale. I, that, that approach is sort of like very shallow and the investors will spot that for sure. And then... Then you go into already like talking about what you've done so far before you approach the investors. What's been happening with the company? Have you, have you done research? Have you ran experiments? And do you have a prototype of the game already that's playable? Because uh, if, you, if you can put like a, I recently got a, a pitch deck which had a QR code for test flight to download the build. And that was awesome. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm just reading this pitch deck and I don't even need to ask for a link to get the game, <laughs> like to try it out. I'm just, oh, I'll just QR code this thing. And it took me to test flight and I downloaded the build and it was awesome. So like get people like trying out your game as well is, is really important. And traction, then, then you go a bit further, like you already maybe done an alpha launch, a soft launch, you've had real players trying the game. Uh, you, you might have some kind of video as they're, they're playing the games. You can share those videos to people. 
uh, and then the benchmarks that you're going after for the, the, the KPIs and the metrics. And I would focus on, on retention numbers. And then secondary, what might come up is how do you tackle user acquisition in your market, uh, in the area where you're going into. That comes a lot up, especially mobile, because it's so competitive. Like if you're doing a mid-core game, it can get really, really expensive to acquire users. Like five to ten dollars is like on the low side for a hardcore mid-core mobile game. And then the team. Uh, this is the most important slide, but it's sort of like a an obvious place to to kind of like have big interest for your company or low interest, depending on uh, what kind of like team you have. So if you're missing some people in your team, you might not have a, you know, a CTO or you might not have a designer slash product person, like who's taking care of those. Those are really big roles, especially in gaming. It matters so much that they're covered. But yeah, you want to talk about the team more. And I would say it's mostly the, the biggest indicator for investor appetite. If you If you can show that you have a, an experienced team that knows what they're doing. So like I recently wrote about these three things that why this experienced team matters so much. It comes down to this kind of like that the, the experienced team has shipped games and they've seen how messy it can get when you're making games. So they know also how to kill games usually. <laughs> like that is not uh, a fun thing to do. But if, if you have in like experienced game developers they've seen projects get killed and they don't get stuck into like this like kill your darlings like toughness that i can't do it uh these experienced people know how messy it can get so they know that killing a game is always for the good if it just doesn't work and then if you ask these experienced people for some some questions for instance they usually come back with really awesome answers. So it, it, it really is like these moments that people do, do want to think about more uh, like, okay, they pause and then they think about these answers uh, because they, they also want to impress people. And then, then going into the milestones, uh, what, you've, what you kind of like have done so far, this is a, a concise way of showing that this is our roadmap. This is the milestones that we're trying to hit. So you first off talk about the milestones you've, you've done so far. What is the biggest things that have been happening to the company? You could talk about like team members joining as milestones, but uh, those ones get boring pretty quickly. So you want to go into more like uh, having an impact on the business regarding like, you know, how close are we to, to getting revenues? Uh, so you want to talk about like the metrics that have been coming in so far from tests, how those have been improving, uh, what's going on. And then, then you go into the future milestones. I would say like you want to open it up for like the 18 months from now, what are going to be happening? Uh, what kind of like key metrics do you need to hit uh, in those different realms? Uh, and also where do you plan to do the next fundraise? And what is sort of like, so if you have like a, a new fundraise in 12 months happening where you go from this pre-seed stage to seed stage, you're going to be raising a, a bigger chunk of cash. Uh, you want to sort of like have milestones there in between, which are realistic and also showing the growth. Uh, and usually in gaming, what I've noticed is that you can, you can do an angel round with the idea and a prototype. And then you go to the next funding round where you could raise a million. And that usually requires the metrics of reten retention metrics. Uh, and some early indication of revenue is always awesome because it, it points out that you know that side of the business as well. It's not always needed, but it, it does help. And then you go to the next stage where you're raising even bigger numbers. Then you want to show already evidence that you're, you're kind of like scaling the game, running it in an extended soft launch in, let's say, uh, half a dozen countries already. And the user acquisition is profitable. And then, then it goes from there into like a global launch. And then you 
could be raising like tens of millions already and building it. And I think having that team who can structure a business that would go into this kind of like uh, venture route where you're raising bigger funding to build a bigger company. That's, that's what the investors want to hear uh, that you have that ambition and you have the, the sort of like the knowledge and the insight that this is what needs to be done. We need to be scaling the business constantly. Risks. What are the risks involved? There's, there's so many. Uh, we talked about a lot of them already here. Um, of course, the biggest one is like, like let's say uh, you have some issues with putting out the game, like the me metrics aren't just right. What are you going to do then? then you could think about like, hey, we, we know how to pivot businesses. You could just, you know, put in, in, in details, like our team has gone through pivots in previous companies where, where the, the game just wasn't working and we needed to do something else. So this is what we did there. And we could replicate that here with this company as well. Or there's other ways, like the next game would be like a quicker project that you first sort of like, build a team that will be doing stuff together and getting really good results quickly versus like a, a very long project. But yeah, just write those down. Uh, and these need to be honest. You want to be leveling with the, the investor. Don't sugarcoat things. Try to talk as honestly as you can. And then the final part would be how much you're raising the ask slide. Like, uh, what will you do with that cash is also important. Like you're hiring most likely and your milestones need to sort of reflect back to this. And what I usually don't need here in the first sort of like meeting when I'm looking at the pitch deck is to know more than what you're raising at the moment. You could say I'm raising half a million, I, I'm raising a million and don't give out other details. Don't talk about the valuation yet. Don't talk about like who else is on board. Uh, you can have that discussion when you get the follow-up meeting with the investor that they're interested. Uh, there are of course like these opportunities to create this fear of missing out feeling for the investors. But it's again about the honesty and you want them to be genuinely interested because of the business and because of you as somebody who can build awesome things versus, okay, investor uh, A, B, and C are also interested and they, they're already committed. You have 24 hours left. So that's, that's not cool. Okay, let's go to the tips and tricks for pitch decks. Uh, I really love to see uh, pitch decks where, where the, the founders have put the effort into like messaging cool things. Like let's say you replace the title of the team slide, not saying team, but rather like we've shipped uh, 35 free-to-play games in combined 20 years in the industry. I think this is much more awesome to see as an investor for a slide uh, versus like it's saying team there. And then for the idea raising stage, when you have these experienced founders raising, it's so easy to just talk about the, the founders. But for the inexperienced founders who can raise, they usually need to do first these fools and family to get to the traction point. Think like the A team can raise a few millions without tractions. But if you want to raise and you aren't a highly experienced team, you better build story with traction in it. So like if I would be heading this kind of like B team, which I've been talking about in, in, in my articles where I have this like D C, B, and A team. Uh, the B is sort of like at that area where they're sort of like entering the, the venture backable ra ra like raising stage. So if I would be a team with not much experience, if I would go back 15 years, uh, I would definitely try to bootstrap the company until I had a game that I could show proper metrics with. And I'd get the co-founders involved the ones that are really needed, I would want to get somebody who's really good at game design, product, a good engineer, and people who want to work as a, as a part-time thing. Of course, there's nowadays a lot of appetite to actually start like immediately, like when you leave your uh, cozy, like big 
game company job to actually raise funding but you could actually like do something on the part-time and not give out as much percent percentage immediately to investors or rather like raise a lot more when you have a lot of evidence i i would definitely do that route because i think it's it's still it's anyways going to be like you know five to ten years before you could see an exit in our company like it you don't why why rush it in that sense why not start side projects get to know people get to know your co-founders uh like doing this as a hobby and then finding a game that works and then starting a company so i i want to talk about this city in northern finland called Oulu. there might be some Oulu people in the webinar i love you guys <laughs> this is a, a city that i've gone to like countless times in the last 10 years to to you know do some mentoring to local uh, gaming startups they have uh, Fingersoft there, which is creates uh, hill climb racing. That's the biggest company. And then there's Coco Games, which is the second biggest. And then there's a bunch. There's like dozens and dozens of small mobile gaming startups or PC startups that are doing, trying to get ahead. But I sort of like identified a lot of problems there. So if you look at Fingersoft, whose valuation is like over 100 million, I've heard. Uh, rumors that there have been like an acquisition target recently but in the last 10 years like as i've been talking to all these founders in Oulu who are doing mobile games none of them have become profitable uh, besides kokoi that's probably the only one and i feel there's this this kind of like momentum which doesn't get solved if you don't bring in a lot of experience so this is why the a team always gets funded and the b team has a lot of struggling first so you uh, if you already think you have the perfect founding team maybe you could bring on somebody who's more senior who wants to go into a startup who likes what you're doing the culture in the team uh, bring more strength into your team I, I would say that's the biggest sort of like uh like it's even better than making a better pitch deck, I would say. Like just bring on better co-founders. Try like put a lot of effort into scouting for people who are looking for a startup uh, journey to go along with. And keeping it simple is very important. Like I told you, you can leave a lot of the things that you want to put in text into the slides as sort of like something that you would say to the investor when you have that call. So just focus on the essentials there. And don't put graphs, pie charts. Uh, nobody wants to read these things. Like I'd rather like point out a few details and then talk about, hey, we're targeting this uh, segment of the market, which is 5 billion at this moment with this target audience. Like you can figure that out by doing your research. And make sure that the message is clear. So explaining things in a simple way is always the best way to approach getting investors to be excited versus like overcomplicating it with too many slides. And as for feedback, there's a lot of founders in our industry who have raised funding. And you could just, you know, do a cold LinkedIn message and ask them for feedback on the pitch deck. And the cool thing here is that you could actually ask them afterwards hey you you read our pitch deck would you invest would you put in five thousand euros like that's a good segue also to, to sort of like break the ice with with a lot of experienced people and then how do you use that feedback you you want to go back into like what you got back from people and sort of like start thinking about like what is confusing here what is working because Usually the first version of a pitch deck is always very confusing. Like, what do you want to do here? And go back to these questions. Think about like, how can you become a big company? That's, that's the main thing here. And also the risks, the, the second biggest thing. And what are you going to actually do with the funding that you raise? So what not to do with your pitch deck? <laughs> There's a few things there. Uh, I would say the team slide, if you don't have anything else besides like names and roles, like saying Joe programmer, that doesn't really leave a lot of information for the investor to think about like, okay, are these people really good? Uh, do they have a lot of experience? So you want to bring on into the team, team slide, 
those people who have the the big experience. Otherwise, I would say it's already going to be like something that the investors will look at. Okay, this is a very inexperienced team. It could be hard for them to pull off. So then you need to go back to the traction slide and start putting stuff there or start working on traction and then put it on the the deck itself. So slides with way too much info, big problem always. Uh, I want to also talk about this. The market is big. you have the screenshot from the Newzoo website where you have $180 billion games industry. I think everybody already knows that gaming is big. So rather talk about your game. Uh, the smart gaming investor will know if this is a good opportunity or not. And you should also know if it's a, if it's a good opportunity or not. And let's, let's finish it off. I'm actually, you guys, most of, the people here have probably heard about my course, the Pitch Your Games Company course that I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I'm actually going to be increasing the price next week because the demand has been so high. Uh, but I want people here on the workshop to actually like go and, and grab the, the course before the price goes up. And that's Saturday uh, next week, 6th of February, when that will happen. So check it out at EliteGameDevelopers.com slash pitch and now it's time for our q a we have 20 minutes that's awesome okay let's see there's a lot of questions coming here i'm gonna be picking up the the ones that i think are the best all right chronological order where would you recommend new founders find game angel investors well like I, I basically already answered this, uh, that you can go and check out LinkedIn, just go through like who are the most successful gaming CEOs in your region. Let's say you're a European team. Like just find those people like uh, and reach out to them and ask if they're doing angel investing. Here's my pitch deck. Like what's the worst that can happen? They're going to say, no, I'm not doing angel investing. That's not that big of a nightmare like scenario if somebody says something like that right okay uh when creating a pitch deck how would you recommend to balance things like identifying risk and demonstrating preparedness for failure uh i would i like you could create a lot of appendix slides as well to your pitch deck where you sort of like lay out all the risks that are involved and if you're sort of new to gaming and you're building a new a game that is cool, that you think is a really cool idea, and you don't really know more than, hey, I'm really excited about this idea, but like if somebody asks me what are the risks and you can't answer, like then again, it's a good idea to go and reach out to somebody in the games industry to, to give you feedback on what do they see as risks. So don't go to the investors to figure out your risks because you might be spending their time and they might not want to take another meeting with you and you, you, you lose that opportunity to raise from them. So do a lot of homework already. Talk to a lot of people in the game industry. I think we, we're really fr- friendly in this industry. So you can, you can ask for feedback on your idea uh, and don't be too worried about like, hey, somebody will steal my precious idea. Like, I don't think they will. Like, of course, in the hyper-casual space, it might be different, but I'm not commenting on that more. Um, so Christopher, uh, Christoph asks here, uh, what challenges would you anticipate for studios who are focused on web PC console in acquiring uh, angel and seed investment? Any angels funds come to mind who are focused in the space? Yes, there's... The Moonrise Fund, like you're mentioning here in the question. And then there's GameSeer in Switzerland. You can go to Google for GameSeer, S-E-E-R. Uh, they're doing uh, like PC games. Uh, I think here again, like why not reach out to the CEOs of gaming companies that are successful and ask them to, to become your angel investors? It's It's not a unheard of thing that they might already be doing angel investing. So just go for it. 
And Jose here, according to your experience, what type of game is most likely to get an investor on board? You talked about how premium gains are difficult. They are, especially because uh, there aren't many big success cases recently uh, where you know a premium studio would have been acquired, like you know a startup. Let's say the startup was started in 2017 and it got acquired now. Like I don't really see a lot of hundred million dollar exits like that. I I see it mostly in the mobile space. So that is where a lot of the investors are also focusing on mainly because it's kind of like it's an easy route to to get into a realm where a company is doing a lot of money. You can do a lot of data-driven uh, game development or data-informed where you already ship a build to the App Store in a few months and you start seeing results. Uh, I think that's more interesting for investors to to think about like where they're putting their money into. So I would think about this like, Talk to the experienced people from PC and console uh, who have made money and ask them, do they want to do an angel investment into your company? I would, I would approach it that way. Uh, as a dev developer of a game, how can we reduce the risks? Uh, this is, again, going into the realm of how long does it take to see evidence that things are working? Like if you need to spend two years uh, in uh, like coding away uh, without any results, that's that's an easy place to start with reducing risks is to just, you know, show results as quickly as possible. And if you're like, okay, what is result? Like a like question. Well, the results would be eventually like revenues. And if the revenues are growing when you do marketing, that's also a good thing. If marketing isn't working, like what is wrong with your game? Like going into that loop and doing that very quickly helps you to to get into an area where you know a lot about like what is working or what isn't, and then you can make a decision: Do we need to kill the project? I think this is inevitably where it goes down to in in investable companies: is that the money goes into building something that has uh, the customer acquisition cost is lower then the lifetime value of the player. So the player will spend more money in your game than it costs to get that one player through ads into your game. That's the simple math, really, that I would follow. And reducing risks by getting to that point where you know that equation as early as possible helps. Uh, you talked about how games with big deadlines were seen as a big risk. Would smaller projects look better uh, smaller projects, exactly, because you can get to that equation where you see the marketing costs are lower than what you get from the players as revenue so that you can actually like do even more marketing and get even more players because you're going to get a profit and you get to that point much more quicker with the smaller projects. That's the main reason why smaller projects are better. If you can take the risk, if you're doing it on your own, uh, own cash, like two years of building a game, why not? But if you want investors involved, they would immediately say, okay, I'm looking at a thousand companies a year. And like, I'm of course going to pick the ones that have the least risk, the ones that will do quick moves. They're going to get quick uh, evidence from the market if it's working or not. And then it goes into like, you know, having good ideas or games, I guess, and executing on those. Right. Uh, what about game developers like overseas that want to tap into European gaming accelerators? I don't really know of any game accelerators that are really like the best option at the moment. I would always go with angel investors uh, since there's there's the opportunity there to actually like uh, just stay where you are and get that help from from people who are doing a lot of things in the game industry already. But if you want to go that through that accelerator route, I think there's at least one accelerator starting in Sweden soon, which is really cool. So they're doing this thing, I think it's called Mind Detonators, where you you basically apply to them with a team and then you move to Sweden to the countryside. It's 
very beautiful there so it's that's a big positive and they pay you uh, all the the accommodation and everything for i think it's 12 months so that's kicking off it's pretty interesting uh so yeah i guess then it's more depends on like what kind of route do you want to take and another question should you focus on pitching your project or your company vision i think both is important uh I've recently looked at a few pitch decks where the pitch deck was really bad, like really bad, but the founders were like really good. Uh, how they, like when I finally got into like hearing what they're actually doing, it was like really good. So I think it's a combination of things. You don't really want to leave out anything because you don't really know what the investor is sort of like liking about your pitch they might be somebody who really goes after the vision like let's say that you're going after a match three game uh which is the probably the most hardest mid-core in in mobile is even more harder uh so if you have a team that is going after mid-core uh you might want to say to them that oh guys you're a really good team like but this project just doesn't work like you can come back to me wherever you want. If you just think about like, is, the, is there another project? Because the market is so bad at the moment for mid-core. So I, it really depends. Uh, you need to get feedback from people and get the feel for what you're doing. Uh, if you're pitching as a game concept rather than a company, what's the best way to approach it? I think this, like, it depends on the investor again. Like if you're how do you actually build a game without a company is the first question. How do you approach this? Um, I think here's like, you're preparing your own game framework, uh, uh, wireframe, then looking for funding. Ah, oh, okay. It's more like a pitching a game idea. I think this, this goes into like talking with publishers, which uh, I've not been too like focused on as an area. Um, but when you talk about like, a game concept i think the investor will still look at the team and how they can execute what are the likelihoods how are they approaching the risks that are associated here so those are pretty much the the same thing for any kind of game like if you're seeking some funding for your game concept for instance or just like ideas or feedback like just talk about it talk about honestly where you are right now with what you're trying to build Another question, what is the best way to find a co-founder? Well, good question. I would I would start cold emailing like or cold LinkedIn messages to people all over the place. That's like uh, what I've heard a lot of people do. And of course, your own network, you should start from there. Just ask your friends like, hey, can you name people who would make really good co-founders and then ask them to do introductions to them to have that chat? I think it's a lot of legwork and there's no easy easy way to get a lot of great co-founders to join. So you just need to get to work and doing a lot of cold messaging and whatnot. Uh, we know that the hypercasual party has already passed a while ago, but not premium in this category. For instance, Jumanji from Crazy Labs. In your opinion, the hypercasual market for the premium side has a chance to break through and be appreciated in investments. Uh, I don't really know how the numbers are going in the premium hyper casual space. I actually haven't been following that at all. So in if somebody pitched something like this, I would definitely ask them to, okay, talk about the numbers that you're seeing in the market. Like how does the, the customer acquisition cost and the lifetime value of the player work with these premium free to play games? Uh, premium hyper casual games that's what i would want to kind of like ask first another question in terms of the actual pitch deck would you recommend using a simple google slides for it uh, what do you think about using new tools like uh my milano for this purpose yeah like i think it's you anyways want to have it in pdf 
because uh, you you're not going to be sharing a Google Slides link. It's, it's very ineffective. PDF is so easy to read. It loads up quickly on any kind of device. Uh, so you want to start with that. I think when you have the actual video call and you're sharing a screen, uh, in that case, you could do it, whatever, whatever kind of tool you have, but you want to export a PDF when you're doing your outreach to these investors and sending them the deck. And like oftentimes people ask me, should I send a pitch deck when I'm doing an outreach? I think yes, because these people are seeing so many pitch decks a day. They're busy looking at opportunities. So if they sort of like need to ask you to send them the pitch deck, that's like one step that you don't, so it's not, it's an like unnecessary step to go through. So you could immediately just share the pitch deck. That's what I would advise. From your experience, how uh, FIBON, which is the Finnish business angel network is standing related to games and especially premium games. I have, I don't really, I'm a, I've been a member of uh, the Finnish business angel network for a few months. And I don't think it's very good uh, kind of like a, a place for fundraising for gaming, especially because there aren't that many uh, members who have been in gaming before. So it is sort of like this uh, fools and family kind of like area, unfortunately. I hope it's going to be more uh, filled with people who know gaming in the future. I'm, I'm definitely going to try to get more people joining that network so that there would be more these pitching events that uh, FIBON could be organizing. Uh, so what is the best way to do market research? A um, couple of ideas here is there's a lot of free numbers out there that you can go into, into like using the free app Annie, for instance, to look at stuff. Uh, playing games is a really good way to, to understand what's going on in the market. I think that's underappreciated way of doing it uh to to kind of like play like 50 games from the genre that you are going after and then doing analysis on your own about like what's working in the games what isn't uh so not a lot of people are doing that so i think like if you guys do that that's gonna show as a really like uh, a positive signal that you're actually like doing your homework so i would think about that as the first place and then go after this kind of like data and finally maybe ask your friends in the game industry if they know how certain games are doing like numbers how much money this is making how well do they retain players and so forth are there common issues european union founders will run into when acquiring investment from the us now uh, we raised funding from the us for for next games and it, it went really like fluently. There was no problems raising for European Union, even for startups, for angels. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say there's no really problems there. And there's like, should we anticipate establishing a parent company in the US? No, no, it's totally fine to for US people to invest into Europe and the other way around. Uh, then a question, acquiring a license to create a game based on a movie that has a very good community can be appreciated by the investors. Uh, it depends, like you want to sort of like point out that this game is exactly the game that the audience wants. That's like, or that you have a, like, let's say you have a, a community online for a certain movie and like, how certain are you that you can get a really big portion of that community to love your game? I think that's the answer that you want to have in your pitch deck. Like you want to have some evidence that, that there's actually something that resonates there, that it's, it's sort of not your guess that this is cool and they will love it because it sort of like looks cool. That's, that's not good. So you want to gather some evidence, maybe do some market research or even... Uh, build prototypes that a lot of people from the community can play. That's the most awesome evidence you could gather and then go to investors. And I think this is the final question we have here. So what are your thoughts about marketing first approach for mitigating risks? 
it's it's i think one of the best approaches if you start off by thinking about like how do i market this game to people what can i do differently than what the competition is doing well or or just you know like create a fake ad of the game and run it on facebook and see how many people want to click on the ad and then do do another concept that you have in mind and run another test to see how many people join and you, you can start getting this like understanding of hey we're actually doing this very day in a data-driven way that this this concept that we're thinking about here or we loved as a team actually nobody loves it on facebook so we can't really see that this would become a big game so when you start showing evidence that you've done this kind of homework that hey this is the one that we're picking because we did a lot of market tests that's awesome for an investor all right everybody i think we're done thanks a lot i'm going to share this recording later today on the website and it was elitegamedevelopers.com slash pitch deck and if you want to grab my course that's elitegamedevelopers.com slash pitch all right see you everybody bye bye